0: You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miquez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: And then there were 16. Welcome into to Crunch Time here on a Monday. You're listening to The Game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company specializing in new multifamily construction. Matt, Me Matt here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. My first question when looking at the weekend as a whole, where the hell is Fairleigh Dickinson? That's a rhetorical question. I know the answer. Only the second time in NCAA tournament history that a 16 seed upset the number one. And poor Purdue just can't catch a break in the NCAA tournament for the third consecutive year. My producer and co-host is the one and only Mr. James Mesh. James, happy Monday to you, sir. How was your weekend? It wasn't too bad. Good. It was all right. Good. What'd you do? So, what did, what did I do?
2: <clears throat> it, was, it was so fun that you can't recall <laughs> it.
1: I I covered Cajuns baseball yesterday. Yeah, which was which was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a beautiful day. It was cold, but it was beautiful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Saturday, Saturday was great. So, my mother in law, grandmother in law, mm-hmm. aunt in law, two of my two of the aunts, and then one of my wife's cousins invaded our house. You just had a shindig, j- jokingly invaded our house. To decorate cookies for a bridal shower. Uh So they were in the kitchen, decorating cookies, arguing with each other about the cookies, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, I'm sitting in the living room, have my whole couch to myself, Uh watching March Madness. As you should. It was great. It was great. No complaints at all. But looking at... The, the, the tournament, obviously there are some games that stick out. Duke beating—I mean, Tennessee beating Duke was was massive and, and wildly unexpected. St. Mary's going down what was a little surprising to me. Kansas going down. There were, there were tons of, of upsets. Princeton going into the Sweet 16 because that came out of left field. But when you look at a team like Fairleigh Dickinson— who won their tournament game, what, probably three hours after we got off the air Friday night.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I was talking with Nick Fano about that at the Cages game on Friday. So
1: it's so funny. I'm sitting in the Chick-fil-A drive through <laughs> because I wasn't watching the game. I got that mentality of, it's a one seed. It's
2: Purdue. Purdue's going mean- to roll them.
1: It might be close for the first half. Like, who's
2: fairly Dickens?
1: Right. Like, it's going to be close for the first half, but then Purdue's going to finish the game and win by 15 to 20. So, I don't really need to watch it. Well, then, I'm sitting sitting in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, and I'm scrolling through Twitter because the Chick-fil-A drive is always backed up, and you have plenty of time to, to scroll through Twitter. That's
2: why it's a good thing they're building another one.
1: Right, right. And so, somebody said, is another one seed really about to go down?
2: and you're like no way.
1: And I said wait a second. Hold on. So I pull up my March Madness app and minute 45, fairly dickinson's up 3. I was like, "Huh. Interesting." And so, I pull up my my Handy Dandy YouTube TV app and I turn the game on and I and I watch to the end of it. Absolute pandemonium. It was incredible. And
2: the, this is this is that was the epitome of March Madness
1: absolutely but what's even crazier is when you learn their story James they didn't even earn their spot in the tournament <laughs> they were in the tournament on a technicality <laughs> they lost their conference championship game yeah but the team that won the conference was is in a transitional period from D2 to D1 so they aren't eligible for the NCAA tournament so Fairley Dickinson, being the second place team in the conference, got to represent the conference in the NCAA tournament. So they get in on a technicality, and if it wasn't for a couple of turnovers last night, they'd be in the Sweet 16. This is why March Madness is incredible. What what are we what are we doing here?
2: And here I am, utterly crying at our, uh, our percentage, because I think oh, we're
1: at 13.8%. You're, you're still looking at that?
2: I'm just curious how we're looking. <laughs> yeah, 13.8%. I,
1: I have stopped looking. I have stopped paying attention.
2: Like, that's my thing, is I want to see how close it was. And obviously, after day one, we weren't even close. But I, I still want to see, like, how bad was it? You know what I mean? Because we could say, like, oh, it was, our picks were utterly terrible. We didn't pick... Any of these upsets. We didn't We didn't take Purdue getting upset by the 16 seed.
1: I'm just going to say this, though.
2: But yeah, 13.8%. That's pretty bad.
1: Did I not tell you about FAU? I think we both did. I called it. I called it. I said they were going to be good. I'm not saying that you didn't. I was going to say,
2: we, both, but I'm just we stating, both picked them going to the Sweet 16, I'm didn't just we?
1: stating the fact that if I remember correctly, I had to convince you. I think I had to convince you to make that pick. No,
2: because we had also heard from Shelby. That's right. Because Shelby, right. Shelby was right. like,
1: I'm big on FAU too. All right, all right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll let you slide for now. <laughs> let we'll me let slide. you slide for now. Okay, yeah. Um, But, man, just looking at some of the matchups that you got coming up, Alabama-San Diego State. San Diego State's scary now. Mm-hmm. Al- if I'm Alabama, I would be very nervous about this game coming up. So you got that one. The winner of that game will play the winner of Creighton and Princeton. Let me tell you something right now. If another 15 seed makes it to the Elite Eight, I don't know what college basketball is going to do. It's going to break itself. But I'm here for it. And I'm going to be cheering for Princeton very hard when that game gets played Thursday night or Friday night, whichever night. They're playing. The, the schedule hasn't been released yet, I don't, I don't believe. And then you got FAU and Tennessee, which... That's a tough one. <laughs> so look, the Tennessee team that showed up on Saturday to play Duke, that team can beat anybody. Anybody. But if the Tennessee team that showed up against the Cajuns shows up against FAU, mm. that'll be interesting. And then Kansas State and Michigan State. That's just going to be a downright dogfight. Both of those teams are so scrappy. that That's going to be such a good game. And then you go to the other side. Gonzaga-UCLA. Right. Does it get better than that? <laughs> that's damn near the pinnacle. Does it get better than that? Arkansas-UConn. Pretty nice matchup as well. Eric Musselman. Did you see that man jump up on the scorer's table and take his shirt off on national television? This man said, professionalism? (laughs) Screw that. Rip my shirt off. It was great. Absolutely fantastic. Xavier, Tennessee. Again. Texas. Oh Yeah, I'm sorry. Xavier, Texas. Great matchup. And then Houston. Miami. Miami. This is beautiful. It really uh, it, it really is. It's it's going to be such a great weekend and the only problem is is that we have to wait 3 days for it to start. Hey. They need to rest up. No, what they do what they need to do is they need to travel. <laughs> they need to get to where they're supposed to be playing. Because, but also get some rest. Well, I mean uh, for sure. But like could you imagine being in Tennessee? So you go from Knoxville mm-hmm. to Orlando. Spend four days in Orlando. Probably snuck in a trip to Disney World at some point. Because how, how do you not? They're, they're What's it, Universal? Real they were probably there yesterday. Because how, how do you not? Go visit Epcot for the day. Now, just just imagine being a 18, 19, 20-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. I game, used to be that. Their, their, their game Thursday night against FAU. Madison Square Garden. <sighs> Madison Square Garden. Does, does it get better? I, I'm, I, I love college basketball. You're geeking right now. I love college basketball. It's so much fun. So we're going to talk more about the tournament. We're going to talk about Jamal Williams. And we're going to hear from Jamal Williams, which if you haven't heard his press conference yet, that was incredible. We're going to talk about Kim Mulkey's group going to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2014. And a ton of other topics. Cajuns baseball getting a sweep at home. LSU baseball winning two out of three in t- at Texas A&M and much more. At 4.30, Jay Walker is going to join us. We'll talk Cajuns. We'll recap the, the weekend and baseball preview their five-game week coming up. At 5 o'clock, Wilson Alexander will join us. Tiger Talk is back. We'll talk spring football for LSU. We'll talk baseball for the Tigers as well. And then at 5.30, Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser. He was in the Pete Maravich Assembly Center all weekend. We'll talk to him about LSU's two wins over Hawaii and Michigan. What stood out? Angel Reese. I mean, she typically stands out, but 25 points and 24 boards. And then five blocks and three steals? Or do I have those numbers inverted? I think I have those numbers inverted. I think it was five steals, three blocks. Uh, First player to post a 25-20-5 game since 2000. Absolutely insane. We'll talk about that as well. Right here on today's Crunch Time, again, broadcasting live. You're shortchanging her. Am I shortchanging her? Yeah, she had three steals. Six blocks. Six blocks. Okay. So I knew I knew there was a three in there. Mm-hmm. I knew there was a three in there. So six blocks. God, how do you... Six blocks? As a team, they had six. She had all six. Oh. She out-rebounded Michigan. No, she was off by two. Oh, was she off... Okay. She had more offensive rebounds than Michigan, though.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> by
1: nine. Yeah, she had more offensive rebounds than yeah, Michigan. Because
2: in total, Michigan had 26. She had 24 herself.
1: That's so insane but
2: that's but that's happened so many games this year where it's like she reaches like 22 the other team has like 25 24 like she's and, right there
1: and you know we, we, we're talking about how 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 good she's been because there's there's no doubt that she has but here's here's the thing for LSU if she comes back next year, which is widely presumed that she will yeah and it, it's
2: more of a question of will she be there? The year after that. Correct. That's where the big question comes in.
1: But let's just look at next year. Angel Reese comes back. Flauget Johnson comes back. You bring in a guard like Michaela Williams. Those three players under Kim Mulkey, especially with Aaliyah Boston leaving South Carolina, James, all bets are off for next year. Kim Mulkey might bring a national championship to Baton Rouge. What what you what you grinning at?
2: Some breaking news.
1: What what you grinning at?
2: Lamar Jackson has been waived. What? Broncos defensive back, Lamar Jackson.
1: Oh dude, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Oh my god. We'll take a timeout here on Crunch Time, and when we come back, we'll look at the Cajuns weekend getting a three-game sweep over Arkansas State where they outscored their opponent 31-10 to right here on the game.
0: This is Crunch Time on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: If you want to see the defending World Series champs in person, Well, then you're in luck because the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake. Charles wants to hook you up with our first Astros weekend getaway of the season. Houston takes on the Texas Rangers on Saturday, April 15th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning. La Meridian Houston downtown and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time, right here on The Game 420. On your Monday, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Hit us up on The Game Hotline, 337-706-0111.
2: And say how good of a prank that was.
1: Man, you're wrong. You're wrong. Because that was going to derail this <laughs> entire show, if that was true. The whole outline of I mean, today. Well, I mean, technically it is. Would have, Yeah, but who... Who even knew that there was a second Lamar Jackson in the NFL? I had heard his name once or twice before. Exactly. You had only heard his name once or twice. Come on. Nobody knows about that dude. Nobody cares about that dude.
2: The sorry, only re- sorry to Lamar Jackson's family. I mean, his, 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 I'm,
1: I'm sure his family loves him, and that's great. <laughs> but, like, come I'm on. I'm sure most of his
2: Broncos teammates loved him.
1: Come on. I I didn't even know there was a second Lamar Jackson in, in the NFL.
2: Do you remember about the other Michael Thomas?
1: Yes, yes.
2: He's now playing for the
1: Bengals. He's been
2: with the Bengals. I don't, I can't re- recall if he was yeah. cut or not. But he, he been, he's been there for a while.
1: So let's talk about Cajuns baseball. Okay, yeah. You opened up conference play, and for, before we recap the weekend, let, let's take a trip back to to last year. Sunbelt Conference play for the Cajuns started with a road sweep against Troy. But they were on the wrong end of the sweep. They got swept. So to start this year on the good side of the sweep is huge. Because it now completely changes... The momentum and the confidence level of this team going forward. It takes it into a whole nother level when you start conference play three and0. not only starting conference play three and0, but the way that you did it. Friday night, you win 15 to four. Now James, you were at this game, correct? All I'm going to say. And and after I make this statement, I'm going to turn it over to you and, and let mm-hmm. you say, Heath Hood is a man. <laughs> He's a man. Who's going to stop that dude? Honestly, I, I we haven't found anyone yet. Who's going to stop that guy? Because he struggled the first half of the year last year. Mm-hmm. And then late in the conference and into the postseason is when he really turned it on. Correct. And then he has just picked up where he left off. I mean, the guy's already—he's already got 13 stolen bases on the year, for starters. He's—he's uh, he's on pace to steal over 40 bags by by the time the season ends. He is second on the team in, in RBIs. He is leading the team in batting average at 408 twenty games in. He's got four doubles, a triple, a homer. He's got fifteen RBIs, which is third on the team. He's got a slugging percentage of five twenty-six and an on-base percentage of four forty-eight. And then the the key statistic for this team so far this year, he has yet to ground into a double play. So you look at you look at his game Friday night, he opened the scoring for the Cajuns with the RBI double that he had in the first inning. And then it just became a double fest after that. Seven runs in the first inning for the Cadets. The first inning has been very kind to Louisiana, by the way, this year. You know how many runs they scored in the first inning so far this year, James?
2: 32. Uh, I, was gonna, I, was, I was close. I was going to say 28.
1: 32 in the first inning this year. They've scored 25 in the eighth. So the first and the eighth have been very kind to Louisiana.
2: Funny how that worked out in this game.
1: Right. In in
2: Friday's game, I should say.
1: Right. Yeah. First and eighth inning have been very kind to the Cajuns. Uh, so you score seven runs in the eighth. I mean, in the first. And then in the fifth, Arkansas State finally puts a run on the board to make it 7-1. to one. And then you answer with two in the sixth. And then Arkansas State gets two in the eighth. And then you said oh, we're up 9-3, not quite close enough. Let's score six more in the eighth. Yikes. Including, including
2: Connor Higgs' grand slam, which was also first home run for him.
1: It was an absolute shot. It,
2: it was funny because I was talking with Nick Fono at the game. I'm like, oh, wow, bases are loaded. What are the odds we get a grand slam at this at bat? Because there's two outs at that point. I'm like, what's the odds that we get a grand slam from Connor Higgs? And it kind of just laughs it off, and a couple pitches later, bink. Yep. It's was like, huh. They're good. And, and it's funny because bases got loaded again after that with still two outs in the eighth inning. And I was like, what if they do it again? He's like, you better call it right now.
1: Yeah, you, you, you might want to say something.
2: And I, I was like, you know what, I'll go for it. And then gets out, and I'm like, that's fine. I mean,
1: I and what I was worried
2: about was let's see if Foots' logic comes into play here. Like, let's see a- what happens paying, with the Cajuns on Saturday and a- Sunday. Paying the Piper? Yeah, paying the Piper with the runs. He's like, you scored way too many. You won 15-4. And that, it, it really should have been 15-3 because the Red Wolves scored one more in the night. Right. So it was like, you scored 15, including Grand Slam in the eighth inning when you were well ahead. You should have stopped at
1: 9. And and what's and what's funny is that for the first three innings, or two and a half innings really, mm-hmm. you thought that you were going to pay the piper. Because on Saturday, Arkansas State jumped out to a 4-0 lead. You thought you were going to pay the piper. Mm. Until the Cajuns responded with four of their own in the bottom of the third to tie the game. And then from there, just never quite looked back. They scored another run in the fifth, another run... Two more runs in the sixth with another Connor Higgs home run, and then your second grand slam of the weekend this time it was Julian Brock who launched one, and when I tell you that one was an absolute no doubter it was one of those James the second the ball left his bat he knew mm-hmm he you, you and not only he, everyone in that stadium knew that that ball was gone. I mean, it was an absolute moonshot. So you win that game thirteen to five, and then you say, then you say, "Okay, you know you already won the series, and you know now you're going for the sweep, and that's all that's all fine, but this is a perfect opportunity for your opponent to catch you and You thought that that maybe things would get interesting because Arkansas State kept it very low scoring with their pitching. But you know whose pitching was just a little bit better? Jackson Nazu. That kid was incredible. He goes eight innings. He only gives up one hit. Earned run. He walked two, struck out nine. he had a perfect game going into the 7th inning perfect game and then he walked a guy and you go okay well the no hitter's still intact and then they got a base hit and they and, and you know that ended that but still a one hit performance 8 pitches he struck out 9 that's huge so now the Cajuns open conference with a sweep. They're 14 and six. They went four and one on the week with a loss to Mississippi State. I mean, is that really a loss to cry about? I don't think so. So now you're going to rebound with another five game week. You're going to host Grambling tomorrow night. You're going to host Southeastern on Wednesday, which is always an entertaining game. And then you got a three-game series with South Alabama, who just got swept over the weekend. So I can tell you one thing. South Alabama's going to be angry. They're going to be very angry. How can the Cajuns respond this week to continue the momentum and keep themselves in contention Early on. Because South Alabama, we talk about them getting swept. They're still a damn good baseball team. Nobody's going to take that away from them. And now you add in the fact that they got swept by Georgia Southern. They're angry. They want to win in conference. And their bitter, bitter rival in the Sun Belt is coming to Lafayette gonna be a fun weekend that's that is for sure but uh we'll take a time out here Jay Walker joins us next we'll talk about the baseball weekend we'll get his thoughts on March Madness thus far and a whole lot more right here on the game
0: this is crunch time on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
2: This March, you're going to need to protect yourself against upsets with bracket parlay insurance on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, all customers can get up to $25 back each day if your parlay of three legs or more falls just one leg short. I'm going to take Houston, Alabama, and UCLA to all win their Sweet 16 matchups. And with a parlay, you can turn a small bet into a slam dunk. And with cash out, you're going to be calling the shots. You can close out your bet whenever you want before the game is over. Just sign into your Fandle sportsbook account or go to Fandle.com slash KLWB to sign up today. That's Fandle.com slash KLWB. Make every moment more with Fandle, America's number one sportsbook. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Bonus issued is not withdrawable bonus bets that expires seven days after the receipt. Max bonus bet, $25 per day unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com sportsbook. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP.
0: Going deep downfield. He's got a receiver. It's caught. Touchdown, Louisiana! Can't get enough of the vermilion and white? Then you're in luck. Here is the Cajun's Corner with the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker, on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Hello,
1: Jay Walker. How are you, sir? Hey, I am wonderful, sir.
4: And and thank you for asking me
1: to come on your radio show today. Uh, I mean, look, no one knows the Raging Cajuns better than you. So, I mean, why not?
4: Well,
1: okay. Here I am. So, Jay, let let's start with with Friday night's game. You know, you look at the Cajuns, and Matt Dex talked about it today in his weekly press conference, and you know it was a much better start to conference play this year than it was last year, getting swept on the road at Troy. Arkansas State comes to town, and you outscore them thirty-one to ten on the weekend, and you started it off really strong with a fifteen to four win on Friday night where you scored seven runs in the first inning and then six more in the eighth?
4: Well, you know, you you, you start the game and you've got um, what, I, what I refer to as controlled chaos uh, because the, the Cajuns uh, just did stupid things on the bases. I mean, stupid good. Um, you know, they stole seven bases in the inning. You had uh, two guys reach base, not one, but two guys reach base after striking out, and both of them scored, uh, and then of course you got a you got a grand slam home run by Higgs later uh, in the game. But you know the thing that was the most impressive to me was actually uh, the, the, the the start uh, by Jake Hammond, uh, because Jake's kind of been a five inning guy most of the time, and he's you know he's been able to stretch to six. But his pitch count gets up because he goes deep in the counts and, and he'll walk a couple guys occasionally. But they were able to get seven out of them uh, and seven shutout innings with ten strikeouts. He had never struck out more than six in a game before. Uh, so that was, a, that was a pretty impressive performance. And that stood out to me even more than the 15 runs did.
1: Now, looking at, at pitching, I know you brought up Jake Hammond. He has really been... Very consistent as a guy who can go out on Friday nights and give you a, a solid five to six innings and keep you in the ball game.
4: He's been he's been very consistent. You know he's a senior. He's one of the captains. Um, he goes out there. You know I I I think Matt uses the term. He goes out there with intent every week, and he is especially from a from a leadership and uh, and lead by example. Um, uh, he's he's really a perfect guy for Friday. Now, you know he's not Connor Cook and he's not Spencer Arrigetti and he's not Gunnar Leje. Uh, you know he's not a guy who's going to be the pitcher of the year in the league, but he is a guy who's going to give you a chance to win on Friday. And and you need that more than anything else. It's just a guy who says, look, I'm going to do whatever I can, but when I'm by the time I'm done, uh, you still have a chance to win the game. And that's who he is on Friday.
1: And then you know you look at Saturday, and, and again it, it was more of the same. It started off a little differently with Arkansas State jumping out to that four nothing lead. Kevin Foote's theory of paying the piper almost came true, uh, but then you know Heath Hood ha- has another strong outing. Julian Brock gets his grand slam in this game on Saturday, and you know the the one thing that I've noticed with this team early on Jay is the offense is always there.
4: Yeah, you got a couple of guys that really aren't that, that really haven't gotten totally on track yet. You know, Mar- Marshak's still hitting under two hundred. Uh, Rockefort is a little bit under three hundred, and uh, you know these are two guys who were big catalysts for this team a year ago, and and I don't think they've gotten totally on track yet, and I think they will. Uh, the impressive thing about that, and you know, during football season, when um, when the Cajuns would score. I would ask Gerald, okay, now what? And he said, well, now you got to validate. And what he meant by that was now your defense has got to go out and get a stop uh, because that's where momentum really comes in. It's not when you score. It's when you score and then you keep the other team from scoring. And so what you got in the game on Saturday was the Cajuns gave up four runs. They're down four to nothing. What did they do in the bottom of the inning? They came right back and got four of their own. And then they went out and validated. Um, and the thing, so the thing that was most impressive to me was they got down four and they said, "Oh yeah, okay, we got this." And they went out, and got got four of their own. And then, uh, you know, the bullpen took over. You know, Cooper Rawls. Well, I'll tell you what, that guy's been nails this year out of the pen, and then the guys behind the pitch very well as
1: well. You know, you brought up Cooper Rawls, and, and like you said, he he's had a great start to the season. Heath Hood picking up where he left off at the end of the year last year. Julian Brock doing offensively what you always thought he could do. And then the the most impressive story for me 20 games in has been Blake Marshall. Everything that 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 young man's had to go through during his time at Louisiana battling multiple injuries and sitting out long-term to kind of reinvent himself as as a closer instead of a long relief, maybe even starter at some point, and to be as dominant as he's been has really been impressive.
4: Two years ago, Blake Marshall was a um, a guy who was going to go out and he was going to get you one hitter. Uh, they would bring him in in situations they wanted left on left, and and he would go in and he'd get that guy and then they'd go get him. And then, of course, you know, he winds up, you know, tearing his UCL has Tommy John surgery. And, you know, he comes back this year and, um, you know, really, I mean, I mean, the kids work so hard in his rehab and, and everything else. And so, yeah, I think everybody's got to be happy for the guy. Now, I didn't think he had his best stuff um, yesterday uh, at the end of the game uh, because he walks the first guy and then the, the second guy gets a base hit. And look, it's a three to one game, and the tying runs on base with nobody out. And the next guy, you know, gets a pretty good hit hard ground ball, but he but he hits it at the barge. And um, you know, before you know it, there's a double play. There's two outs. Next guy pops up. You go home. The big key for for Marshall is control of his slider, because that slider is a nasty, nasty pitch. But he's got to be able to throw a first strike. Uh, and and he walked the first guy because he couldn't do that and then he throws a fastball and then the guy gets a base hit. But if he's got that slider working, you know, it it's it's game over. I mean, the, the that slider's a devastating pitch.
1: Chatting with Jay Walker here on Cajun's corner. Now, you know, we you look ahead to to this week, another five-game week, which is always tricky to to navigate. You've got Grambling and Southeastern at home, and, and then you're going to go on the road to play your bitter rival in baseball in South Alabama, who just got swept over the weekend, and is probably going to be very angry.
4: Well, you know, um, if I was if I was if I was getting bullied, I might get mad, but that doesn't mean I could do anything about it. And I'm not sure South Alabama can do anything about it. Now they're going to be ready to play because it's the Cajuns coming in. But they're not playing very good baseball, Matt. I mean, if you go, they've got a losing record. Their RPI is worse than 200. Um, they uh, Their batting, I think their batting average is either last or next to last in the Sunbelt Conference. They're hitting under 250 as a team. Defensively, they might be the worst team in the league statistically. Um, their pitching's been pretty good, but not as good as they expected it to be. Now... I've said all of that, and now I'll say, okay, they're at home, and the Cajuns are coming to town. So the Cajuns better bring their A A game. Um, You know, you've got to navigate five games this week. And and look, the Cajun pitchers are not totally healthy right now. You know, McGee, he's not going to pitch again this week um, after giving them, you know, a really nice outing last Tuesday. And, you know, and Dylan Toys on the shelf, you know, for probably at least another three weeks. And so, you know, this bullpen is deep, and and this bullpen has done a nice job, but but they're going to get tested this week because there's a lot of innings that have to be eaten up. Uh, so I'm going to be interested to see what guys step up because you're probably going to see some guys throw out of the pen this week that you did not see last week. So we'll we'll see how that all uh, how that all works out. And you know, here we went ahead and looked ahead. You know what we didn't do? We didn't talk about a guy who had six perfect innings <laughs> in the game yeah. yesterday, Jackson Mezu, and, and you know he's man. He was just really, really he, good, he, and he gave you he gave you eight innings, you know. So they stretched him out, but the first six were perfect. And you know, my guess is he's going to be the pitcher of the week in the league. You know, what's really interesting to me is. You know, they could have nominated they, they Nazu, nominated which they should have done, but they could have nominated him, and he'd have probably won it because he had seven shutouts. They could have nominated Rawls. He had seven and two-thirds shutout innings and won two games last week. That's how good the Cajun pitching was.
1: You, you're absolutely right. You know, you talked about Jackson Nazu, six perfect innings yesterday. Uh, I love the analogy that Matt Deggs used this morning when, when talking about his progression. It's just like climbing a staircase. Every week, you know, he, he gets a little bit closer to, to going up to the next level and then he gets there and then, you know, he gets a little bit closer and then he gets there and just steadily has progressed throughout the year. In your opinion, Jay, because I know, you, I know you've got a lot of knowledge in the game of baseball, what's his potential?
4: You know, I um, I don't know that, that you can expect him to go out and and do what he did, okay, every single week. I um I I like his stuff. I I like the fact that when he's on he can pitch off his fastball because I think pitching for the most part is all about being able to pitch off your fastball. When when he's gotten hit this year, it's because he when when, when his pitches get up, when his fastball is up, it becomes flat and very hittable. There's not much movement there, and that's what you saw earlier in the year when he's gotten hit hard. As long as he can keep that pitch down, then he's going to be a really tough customer the rest of the way. Now, he doesn't have Fluto's velocity. You know, he's going to go 90-91. You know, Fluto goes 93-94. But he's got a a really good breaking pitch. He's got a good uh, three-pitch mix. But it's all about the fastball with Nezu. And as long as he keeps that ball down and can set up his breaking stuff with that fastball, he's going to be really tough to beat. And, I, and I'll go ahead and I'll say this. When he's on, he's probably the best Sunday guy in the league.
1: Jay Walker, does the United States win the World Baseball Classic tomorrow night?
4: Boy, I hope so. Um, you know, I, I told you uh, you know, today at, at, at the presser, you know, I, I was with a bunch of friends. We were watching it the other night and you know, it, it was really kind of strange in that, well, you know, when it's kind of watching the Americans play hockey at the Olympics, you know, it, you may not be a huge Olympics fan, but you know, it's it's it, it when it when when the team wears USA across its chest, everybody gets on the same page about who they're rooting for. And if there's anything that we've seen during the world baseball and we've seen it from the players that have kind of set the tone. It's how much they're into it and how excited they get when their teammates have success. It's very visible. You know, you saw the guy from the guys from Venezuela, every time something good happened, you know, two thirds of them came out of the dugout to to congratulate the guy who scored or the guy who got a hit. And you're seeing that from the Americans too. and and we're all getting into that. So I sure hope they I sure hope they win it. It was because uh, Saturday was a lot of fun to watch. and then they just went out and annihilated Cuba. So we'll see. We'll see.
1: They'll play the winner of Japan and Mexico. That game takes place tonight. The championship of the WBC tomorrow at six. Jay Walker, the voice of the Cajuns joining us here on Cajun's Corner. Jay, appreciate you as always. Enjoyed this week of, of staying fairly close to home. And uh, we'll do it again next week. All
4: right. I appreciate it as always. Thanks for having me. Go Cajuns.
1: And there he goes, Jay Walker. We'll take a timeout and wrap up hour number one right after this.
0: This is Crunch Time on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you everything you need for the ultimate crawfish boil with the game's ultimate crawfish boil getaway giveaway cooked up by st landry lumber cody's crawfish and iron horse sales and service enter in the game rewards club at 1037thegame.com to score a 500 visa gift card a boiling pot burner paddle ice chest tumblers and chairs and two giant sacks of live crawfish plus we'll even throw in a pair of astros tickets enter now for the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by st landry lumber cody's crawfish iron horse sales and service and the game
0: this is crunch time Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: Welcome back to Crunch Time. Wrapping up our number one, let's take a look at the poll question of the day. Now that there's 16 teams left, who is your new favorite to win the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament? Is it Houston? Is it Alabama? The Texas Longhorns, you know the UCLA Bruins, or is it somebody else? At this point, I'm still leaning towards Houston because they are who I picked to begin with. But what about
1: you, Matt? I'm still going with Alabama. Still going with Bama? I, I think it's Alabama and Houston. hmm Like how, like how we had, yeah, yeah. In I, our bracket, I think it's Alabama and Houston in the title game.
2: As bad as it's been, thirteen point eight percent. Still, our <laughs> our two finals are still intact.
1: Yeah. You know, when 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 you look at the tournament, it, it's kind of hard to even make a bracket now because you almost have to even sit there at the games that used to be easy picks and go, Well, you know, how has this team been playing as of late? You know what does this team have to lose? Blah blah blah. Because like even the sixteen and one, now that it's happened twice. I almost feel like you have to look at it. You can't just go, oh, the one seed wins. I mean, more times than not likely, but now you you really have to look at the entire bracket with a certain level of analysis, whereas used to uh, a two-seed game or a one-seed game, you just picked the higher seed and moved on.
2: Yep, and it's funny that you mentioned that because Tana kind of brought up that point a little earlier, saying... He's definitely going Bama himself. They've been good all year, and they're the best team left. But then again, you've got teams like Princeton and Furman and others that have proved that just being on paper better
1: doesn't matter It's how you actually play is what matters at the end. No, for sure, for sure. And in our number two, we'll talk about LSU women's basketball advancing to the Sweet 16. Big win for Kim Mulkey and company last night. We'll hear from Kim Mulkey and... More, We will also hear from Matt Deggs following their series sweep of Arkansas State. And we still have New Orleans Saints talk to get to. How about Jamal Williams, the newest running back for the New Orleans Saints? His press conference was absolute gold. We will get into that in our number two as well. Plus, Wilson Alexander and Corey Diaz will both join us to talk LSU as well in an LSU-filled hour number two right here you're listening to crunch time here on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles southwest Louisiana's sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros coming to you live from the Evco development studios here in Upper Lafayette Evco development is a civil construction company specializing in new multi-family construction we're back right after this top of the hour sports update
0: you're clocked out we're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miquez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Hour number two of Crunch Time here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, broadcasting live here from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company specializing in new multifamily construction. In hour number one, we talked March Madness. We talked about the Louisiana and Cajuns, and we slightly talked about LSU women's basketball. Here in hour number two, we're going to get into that a little bit more, and we will talk about the New Orleans Saints signing Jamal Williams, and we'll have a couple of clips from his introductory press conference over the weekend. But right now, spring is in the air, which of course means baseball and softball, but you know what else it means? It means spring football. It's time for Tiger Talk. Johnson throws, Butte's got it wide open at the 10, far side, he's in for the score, hit
0: high, hammered to left field, going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and it's good! Time to talk all things Bayou Bengals with the Advocates, Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh.
1: Wilson Alexander, how are you, sir? I'm now well, Matt. How are you? Um, absolutely fantastic. So spring football, like we said, is here. I-, I know they got two days in before spring break and now, you know, spring break's over and, and they're back at the facility. From your perspective, what are you looking out for for, for-, for this spring?
5: A couple of things. Starting with the cornerback position, which I think has been much discussed up you know, up to this point. How else you remake that? Uh, only one returning corner in the Terrence Welch. Uh, he is not an established starter, and so there's, you know, there's multiple openings in the secondary. Uh, a lot of transfers in the mix there with Denver Harris and Deuce Chestnut, one seems healthy, the Syracuse transfer, but also look out for some of the freshmen, like JV and Toviano, um, who I think they're really, really high on as a defensive back. And he's got, certainly got his size kind of right away to step in and play, um, but that's going to be unfolding throughout the spring and really in the preseason camp as well. Who starts at corner. I'm also really interested to see how the defensive front shapes up. You know, who wins the start positions, you know, in order and then off of that though, and I think what is maybe more interesting than just, you know, sort of straightforward position battles, is what else he does with the personnel that it has. Matt House, we love, you know, he knows we know that he loves to be multiple on defense. Um, he's got some guys who not necessarily positionless, but can play different shades. Uh, one of those being like Savion Jones, you know, the defensive end, he can play, you know, sort of really kicked out over a tackle, you can also line up more of a three-shade, which is you know kind of over the outside shoulder of a guard, which you'd expect from a defensive end, but really shows that LSU could probably move you guys around a good bit, especially as Mason Smith gets healthy inside. Mekhi Wingo gets back in the preseason. Those are a couple of things that I'm looking for because uh, I think a lot of the focus is going to be on the defensive side.
1: And then, you know, obviously, like you just mentioned, there's a ton of storylines on the defensive side. Looking at the offensive side, though, I remember Brian Kelly talking last week or the week before about the injuries to to the running back room. Josh Williams was going to be out. Armani Goodwin was out. John Emery w- was stepping away for for academic reasons. What what's the latest on, on the running back status for LSU?
5: Well, it's exactly what you said. Um, Josh Williams, uh, Brian, Ke- you know, he had a knee injury late last year. Um, he's still kind of coming off of that. And so he's not a full participant to start in the spring right here, right away. And Brian Kelly said that he'll be, you know, he's the closest to possibly returning in the spring. Ronnie Goodwin is definitely out. Um, he had a pretty significant injury last season. Uh, and, you know, he's he's not going to be available until, you know, preseason camp. And so, um, yeah, LSU's got uh, Noah Kane and. Uh, Trey Holly, and those are its only two scholarship running backs for the spring, and that's just the way it's going to be all spring. You know, maybe some you know, walk-ons like Nick Demas will get some more reps as well. Um, but basically, they're just going to kind of have to get through the spring until those guys are back, um, and uh, it just kinda, it's just kind of going to be kind of thin there right now. They also get Caleb Jackson over the summer, which will add more depth. So those, they should be fine for the season. It's just a situation this spring where they don't have a lot of backs.
1: Chatting with Wilson Alexander of the Advocate here. Looking at spring football, you know, Jaden Daniels, it's always interesting when when you have a situation like this. Jaden Daniels had such a great season last year, and, and he's back for, for his senior year. But y- you can't help but overlook the way Garrett Nussmeyer played whenever he was on the field. Do, do you feel like there may be a quarterback battle here?
5: The way it's uh, being set up is this. Ryan Kelly has said that Jaden Daniels is the unquestioned starter. He's, he's earned the right to be QB1, um, and that is certainly the case. You know, LSU won 10 games, and he is probably the best returning quarterback in the SEC, and so he's not going to just lose his job um, and get overtaken very easily by Garrett Nussmeyer. At the same time, LSU is giving Garrett Nussmeyer the chance to force that kind of a conversation. You know, he's going to get first-team reps during the spring, Some of this is also to a degree making sure that he remains on the team, you know, doesn't really entertain the transfer for this offseason because LSU would like for him to, you know, be QB1 next year, kind of unquestioned guy coming back. Um, But basically, they're leaving that door open a little bit um, and and to have some open competition. And if Garrett Nussmeier plays so well and and the way he did in the postseason and really pushes LSU to think about making a change, then they'll get to it at that point. I'm sure they've considered that possibility, but. It would, have to, it would really take Jaden Daniels kind of sliding back or Garrett Nussmeier overtaking him for LSU to make a change because they're completely comfortable with Daniels being the starter again. So not necessarily a quarterback competition, um, but a quarterback uh, situation to watch and monitor uh, until we get up to the people.
1: Who are you watching You know, just anywhere on the field? Who are some players that you're keeping a close eye on this spring as, as guys who could really use the spring as a springboard for them onto the roster?
5: particularly who comes to mind is Sage Ryan. You know, he could be a nickel, he can be a safety. Um, where is he going to end up, in, and does he end up in a starting role? You know, this is year three for a former five-star recruit, and while his career is, you know, he was, didn't play a lot as a freshman because he had some injuries, and that kind of limited him to taking a red shirt. And in this past year, you know, he was in the mix, but, you know, he hasn't really done anything to assert himself as a, as a starter. And so this is a great opportunity for him this spring to do that and in two year three take that next leap and be a heavy contributor in the secondary the phase is certainly one that i'm looking out for uh, i'm looking out for all the receivers really who aren't named malik neighbors and to a degree brian thomas you know kind of think of, it was, you know, brian thomas needs to make that next step as well after having only he hasn't eclipsed more than 400 yards receiving in a season so if he's going to be that bonafide number two he's got to make some leaks but Um, There's a lot of openings for receivers to work their way into the rotation, so I'm also looking for all those guys. Um, Savion Jones is another one who we've mentioned already here today, but you know, can he really lock down that starting job at defensive end? Um, Those are just a couple that I'm looking out for.
1: Now I I know that that you've been pretty focused on the offseason for football, but man, Wilson, how impressed have you been with with Jay Johnson and the LSU baseball team going to A&M this past weekend, a a team that you know it is very, very capable uh, in their own right, and taking two out of three in College Station.
5: That was a, a certainly an impressive start to SEC play. To go on the road, having not played a incredibly difficult non-conference schedule. Of course, there was the games in Texas. Uh, in that, you know, the midweek game right after that against Texas at Texas, and, and to win, you know, have a good showing in those was a good sign, but you know, SEC players always going to be that really, that, that marker, especially this first month where they go to A&M and they've got Arkansas and they've got Tennessee and then at South Carolina. We're going to get a really good test of how good this is, this LSU team. And um, to go over there, win two out of three, uh, was a great great start, a great sign that this team is uh, going to be in contention um, and be a postseason threat and maybe, just maybe, you know, win LSU's first championship since 9 We'll see. You know, there's such a long way to go. Uh, in that race for it, but this team, it can rake. It's got a lot of pitching. Um, There's still some questions probably to answer, but um, there's a lot to like about this LSU baseball team.
1: Wilson Alexander from The Advocate joining us here for Tiger Talk. Wilson, appreciate you as always. Glad to have you back on our airwaves every week, and uh, let's do it again next week.
5: Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Matt. Y'all have a good one.
1: And there he goes, Wilson Alexander from The Advocate. While we stay on the topic of LSU, we talked about – their win over Michigan last night, 66-42 to inside the PMAC. Angel Reese again, 25 points, 24 rebounds, and 6 blocks. First player since 2000 to have 25-20-5 and five in an NCAA tournament game. Following the win, Kim Mulkey was asked, was this the best defense you saw out of your team all season long?
6: We were definitely locked in. I don't know if I would just categorize it as the best. It was good. It was darn good because we really didn't shoot it good. You look at the, you know, until we got to the, what, the third? Oh, actually, it was the fourth quarter. We started relaxing and hitting some of those threes. Uh, Jasmine handled herself like a trooper. She knew exactly why Kateri started, and it had nothing to do with anything but size. We knew they were bigger on the perimeter, and I wanted size in there, and I don't hesitate to put her in. They played a lot of zone, and I told her to go in there, and you get open, look, fire it, and she came out on fire, and and it was so big. It was so big.
1: Kim Mulkey was also asked, you know, we we talked about earlier, this is the first time LSU women's basketball make the Sweet 16 since 2014. Now, when you look at the early 2000s, they'd gone through that stretch with Simone Augustus, where they made five straight Final Fours. And LSU women's basketball has kind of gotten away from that. Kim Mulkey looks like she is bringing them back to that. So she was asked if making the Sweet 16, in her opinion, is an accomplishment.
6: It's not a championship, but it is definitely accomplishment. We have won one more game than we won last year. Uh, And you better believe that that's big. For us in rebuilding this program, I thought um, the students were back tonight. They're done with spring break. I thought they were just awesome. I thought the crowd was electric. Um, but yeah, Jock, it's that's a that's a big deal for this program at this time. I've got coaches in there with tears in their eyes that have never won and been to a Sweet 16. I've got coaches in there that've been to multiple Final Fours and national championships. So. You don't ever take things for granted, and you let them enjoy it. You let them soak it all in and um, got kids in that locker room that have never been to a Sweet 16.
1: Kim Mulkey also talked about her team and the resiliency that they showed. How much did this team grow up last night in a win over Michigan?
6: I think we grew up a lot. I think we grew up in two areas, Michael. And that's rebounding and defense. I'm going to say it again. When I sat here and told you you're getting ready to play Michigan, do you remember what I told you? I told you I thought their seed was too low, and I thought I told you how tough they were. I thought we were tough tonight. We were tough at all positions, and it started on the defensive end, and it started on the boards. Um, I just thought we were tough, and if you follow the, the the Big Ten a lot, they're tough. All those teams are just tough-minded people and uh, coaches and players, and I just thought we accepted the challenge of not just maybe being quicker, but just being tough. Tough on the defensive end, and I thought we were.
1: Angel Reese, after her dominating performance, was asked, ever since their loss to Tennessee in the SEC tournament, what has changed for this team?
3: Just focus. Just um, Staying together as one. I mean, we've we've seen so many different lineups and different things and different defenses thrown at us. They played us in a zone early on. So we we had preparation for that early on in practice yesterday and then some today um, in in pregame shooting. So just being able to stay attention to detail because, I mean, it's like we're going to go home right now. So if you're not paying attention and executing plays and doing what we're supposed to do, then we can go home. So we want to stay here.
1: We'll take a timeout and we return here from Jamal Williams in his introductory press conference. Our, our good buddy Luke Johnson gets taken to anime school, if you will. We'll do that next.
0: This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: If you want to take your lady out for a nice dinner but you're low on cash, not to worry. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. But you can only score these great prizes by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today.
0: Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: We're back for 520 on your Monday. Welcome back to Crunch Time Matt Megeas, James and Mesh. Hit us up on the game hotline 337-706. 0 one, one, one. So, late last week, Jamal Williams was introduced as the newest member of the New Orleans Saints after signing a three-year, $12 million deal, which is a bargain, by the way, for the league's touchdown leader from a year ago. So, Jamal Williams, if, if you don't know, he is a... Anime fan, expert, kind of sewer, whatever whatever terminology you, you want to use there. He 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 enjoys the anime. Whether it is Pokemon, Dragon Ball Z, Yu-Gi-Oh! Well, I don't know about Yu-Gi-Oh!, but Naruto for sure. Sure. Um, and so he has he he been known to, to show off his, his love of anime, wearing headbands and T-shirts and apparently beanies. So, he walks into his introductory press conference wearing a beanie of a Pokemon by the name of Eevee. Which, to a reporter that doesn't follow anime or, or know what's going on, it's going to spark some questions. Now Jamal Williams is a very eclectic and out there individual. So I I want you to grab popcorn or your your nearest snack whatever it may be and listen to this about 90 seconds of gold.
3: Who is this? Oh, what is your name, sir? So how many how many times am I going to see you? All the time? Unfortunately, all, all right, time cool. Well, <laughs> my yeah, my time here, you are going to become an anime expert. All right, so first, this right here is Pokemon. Don't you say Pokemon one time. All right, Pokemon. All right, but this is Eevee, though. Oh, who said it? You did it? Yeah, heck yeah. See? Yeah, see? You don't know who Eevee is? Okay, well, what is it? What'd you say, a dog, cat? Which one? Could be a cat. A cat, mostly? Yeah. So it's basically a cat. This is how they start off, though. But Eevee can, like, evolve into, like, eight different types of Pokemon, basically. So. But Eevee, though. E-E-V-E-E. All right, Luke, we about to have fun. Next time, <laughs> come in here with, you know, with some socks on. I got socks on. Oh, do you? Yeah, they're just, they're just a little bit. A little mm. ankle socks tell a lot about you, man. I'm just saying. I just play. So which which evolution is your favorite? Mine? Oh, Ombreon. Yeah, Yeah, I'm a dark type Pokemon man. If I was a Pokemon trainer, I'd be a dark type for sure. Yeah. You can't tell by like, you you would think I'm all, (laughs) but this smile can be like for evil too. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes. It depends what type of mood I'm in.
1: Just, did, did, did you hear that laugh just now? It's, it's, I watched the whole, what was it, 19 minutes? About so. And he was just goofy the whole time. And and it's so great. Him to, and I,
2: him and I, because I have some fun conversations.
1: Oh, Jamal Williams is your spirit animal. Like, you are him. And he is you. Yeah. Except just not on the football field. Uh, yeah, you're not, you're, I mean you're, body type wise for sure. You're, you're no Jamal Williams on the football field, but from an anime side of things, y- you two are like long lost twins.
2: I don't know. I feel like I could do some if you go check out my oh, my post. This
1: this guy is promoting his TikTok post from the Broussard Sports Complex where he and a buddy lobbed some one handed passes to each other. This guy. Hey look, props to you. <laughs> the the grind never stops. It really does. It does. The grind never stops. But no, so a- another factoid that I actually didn't know about Jamal Williams until this presser. I didn't realize that he and Taysom Hill were teammates at BYU. So Jamal Williams was asked about reuniting with his former quarterback in Utah.
3: Oh, Taysom? Oh, I can't wait to mess with him. <laughs> it's been too long now, so I can't wait to mess with him. Don't worry, you'll see it. But I'm just excited. Like I am trembling from excitement right now. I'm just shaking. I can't wait to go to work, though. So
1: this man is trembling with excitement.
2: It felt like every answer at the end was like, "I'm just so excited to be here. Or, I'm so ready to get to work."
1: But don't you love that? Yeah, you you want to hear that. You want to hear that. You want a guy that brings that to the locker room. And then again, I can't stress this enough. $4 million a year is a steal. It's a bargain. Because here's the thing. the I, I saw a breakdown of it earlier today. The Saints should have roughly 16 to $18 million still remaining in cap space. Now, if you take the roughly three to three and a half that it's going to cost to sign your rookie class, you're still left with around $15 million to work with. $15 million in cap space in today's NFL is a lot. That is a lot of money to work with. To go from $60 million in cap hell to be able to sign Colin Saunders, Nathan Shepard, Jamal Williams and still have $18 million to work with? It's it's absolutely unbelievable to see what, what Mickey Loomis is able to do year after year after year. And I know it's frustrating because it frustrates the hell out of me. Every offseason, oh, you know, the Saints have to clear $50 million. And you go through the same song and dance where, you know, guys get $4 million shaved off their deal and $6 million shaved off of their deal and blah, 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 down the line until you create some cap space for yourself. But every single year, Mickey Loomis finds a way. But you see, here's this what's is why
2: you should never doubt but him. But you see,
1: here's what's so frustrating. Last season,
2: mm-hmm.
1: when you made these signings, you brought Jameis Winston back. I know he got hurt and that didn't work out. You brought Jameis Winston back. You brought in Jarvis Landry. You brought in Tyron Matthew. Michael Thomas was healthy. We sat here and we said, This is a 12 and 5 team. This is a Super Bowl contender. Blah, blah, blah. You go 7 and 10. You got your heart broken. You know what's happening now? I'm sitting here going Chris Olave was a thousand yard receiver Mike Thomas is getting healthy Rasheed Shahid had a good breakout as a as a number three you re-signed Jawan Johnson you got Jamal Williams to compliment Alvin Kamara you got Derek Carr you still have guys on the defensive side you know what my head's starting to do again that oh the Saints could go 11-6 and 12-5 they could they might be a Super Bowl contender oh. That's what my head's starting to do. Whoa. You're making key signings and you're you're addressing key issues that you have, and now the Saints fan in me wants to say that this team could be going somewhere.
2: Let's shoot for nine and eight. Let's just shoot for a winning record. I mean, obviously. But because what well, we've seen the last two years. 8-9 and 7-10, and with a lot of injuries, you still don't have the greatest depth No. as a team. So if you get hit with the injury bug for a third year in a row, which could very easily happen, guess what? That 11-6, and 12-5 mentality that you have, that could easily go right out the window and go back to 8-9, 7-10 once again.
1: If Mike Thomas stays healthy, which I know the last couple years has been a tough ask.
2: Uh, how long do you think he actually plays? Like, how many games this year do you think he actually plays out of 17? And how many would you be satisfied with?
1: I'd be satisfied if he plays half the year. So if he plays eight, nine games? I'd, I'd be satisfied with eight or nine. Obviously, you want him to play all 17. Of course. But with what you've had the last couple of seasons, if he can play half the year,
2: mm-hmm. I'd be okay with that. Especially since they restructured that deal. Correct. I'd be okay with be that. To be very incentive heavy. If,
1: if he plays half the year, I'm okay with that. I'd, I'd look for the minimum of 10. I mean, realistically... Which, how likely is that? I right. don't know. I, I'm, I'm being realistic here by saying half. I would like for him to play 12. But realistically, I'm going to say half. Um. Now... If he only plays eight games, I want those eight games to be absolutely critical. I I want those eight games to be the old Mike Thomas. But if you could have him play all 17 games where at the end of the year he has 900 yards, I'm jumping for joy. That's a great bounce back year. But just the fact that you're going to bring in another weapon for Derek Carr, because here's the thing, I don't think the Saints are done. Foster Morrow was in New Orleans over the weekend. And I don't think he was just in town visiting family. So things could get very interesting there. Because here's the thing, we love Juwan Johnson, right? Why not just play him as a big-bodied receiver? Toss him in the slot. Why, why not play him as a big-bodied receiver? And then put Foster Morrow at the tight end. And then when you run two tight end sets, move Juwan back over to tight end. Like, there, there's a way for both of them to be on the field. And look, Foster Morrow grew up in New Orleans, went to Jesuit, went to LSU. LSU already has a relationship with Derek Carr from their time in Oakland-Vegas. slash That could be a very good move for New Orleans. And then on top of that, that's just from a tight end perspective. I wouldn't be surprised if Mickey Loomis goes, gets another wide receiver. In there's, free agency? Potentially. There, there's not a whole lot left. But if not free agency, for sure the draft. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I anticipate them trying to go get another receiver I don't, I don't in the draft.
1: Think, I don't think they're done getting receivers.
2: I don't think the receiver though would be in the first round. Maybe not. And Maybe I don't. Not. And and it likely wouldn't be in the second round either.
1: I I, I wouldn't say so either. Um, but look, and, and and we'll take a time out after I say this. Odell Beckham's still out there. OBJ's still out there. We we we, we we've gone on this nice little roll of of bringing local kids back home. Just saying. We'll take a timeout. Corey Diaz joins us next.
0: You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Five thirty-seven. Welcome back to Crunch Time here on the game. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotlines three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. Last night LSU took down Michigan sixty-six to forty-two. We talked earlier about Angel Reese's dominant performance, and James, you know, watching the game last night on on television For the NCAA tournament they put the media where the media belongs mm-hmm. right on the side of the court.
2: Yeah, so you got to see the big bald and beautiful
1: one? I did. I did see the big bald and beautiful one. I saw Hannah Five names as well. You saw the tomboy herself? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And then there was one point where the referees were reviewing something. I can't I can't remember exactly what. And so they had the shot of the referees at the monitor, you know, looking. And off behind the referees, I can see two people that we have on our show fairly regularly in Matthew Bruni from On3.com. And then next to him, I I saw a guy that we have on the show fairly often. But man, when when I saw him, it, it, it just made me want to turn the whole broadcast off. And now he joins us on the game hotline, Corey Diaz, from The Daily Advertiser. Corey, good afternoon, sir. How are you?
7: Hey, uh, you know, I have that effect on everything. (laughs) Walk in a a room, enter a conversation, it's immediately shut down. So, uh, you know, I hate that you didn't watch the rest of the game, man. Uh, No, what's up, man? How's it going?
1: I'm doing well, man. And you know, I'm absolutely kidding. Um it, it was actually really funny. I, I I saw you and I was like, Hey, there's Corey and and, and there's Matthew Bruni and my wife looked at me and said, How do you know those guys? And I said, Well, they
7: they, they, they come on my show fairly regularly. So uh, Matthew and I too, your wife are we're just disembodied voices, yeah. You know?
1: Right, right. And so, you know, looking at the game last <laughs> night, sixty six to forty two was interesting. I, I thought this game was going to be A lot closer than than it was, and it appeared that way for the first half. It was only a fifteen-point lead for the Tigers, who who then out who ran away with it in in the third and fourth quarter. But looking at Michigan's season, I really thought they'd put up a little bit more of a fight than this.
7: Yeah, you know, I think um, you you know, I I think really, look, you got to credit, you know, Kim, her staff. Um, Quite honestly, I think. Uh, you know, the day in between the uh, the opening round game against Hawaii um, and obviously them knowing uh, what they were going to see in round two in Michigan. Uh, I think there was a lot of challenging of, you know, Angel Reese, Laje Johnson, um, you know, Kateri Poole, who got, you know, her first start of the year against Michigan uh, yesterday. I think Kim and her staff spent a ton of time in the time they were allowed to, to be with their ladies to be as physical as possible um, because they knew that's what they were going to get out of the Wolverines, um, you know, size all over the floor at all five positions for Michigan. Um, I think uh, with the exception of Angel, I think uh, Michigan had more length and size at four of the, had more length and size at four of the five starting positions uh, on the court yesterday. So it, it was going to be, it was going to be a battle. Um, and I think, uh, again, you have to credit Kim, you have to credit her ladies, uh, they stepped up, they were up to the task. Um, you know, Angel takes a shot first play the game to the mouth. And, uh, it was kind of like, okay, it's time to go, you know? And I think that kind of set the tone, uh, for the rest of the game really. Um, because, you know, they helped Michigan to, to 15 points there. Um, and, and really it was just, it was all, it was all sailing downhill from there. Um, you know, I thought that Kateri Pohl held uh, Leah Brown, who's Michigan's top scorer, their best player, one for seven from the floor, three points, four rebounds. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in, a, in, in a first start of the year uh, performance, I mean, it, it was, it might have been the most important uh, performance. And I know that's saying a lot because Angel had 25 points, 24 rebounds, six blocks four assists, three steals. I mean, she filled the stat, but uh, what, what Kateri did against, against Leia may have actually been the most important performance of anyone on the court yesterday inside the PMAC.
1: So, you know, what what's wild for me is we, we talk about, you know, Alexis Morris and, and Kateri Poole, like you just mentioned, and Ladeja Williams and Flauget Johnson, and then, of course, we talk about Angel Reese because of everything that she's been able to do this year. And, and you thought that... You, you you got to a point where you thought you had seen it all out of Kim, out of Angel Reese, and then last night she goes for 25, 24, and six. First time in twenty three years that a player has gotten 25, 20, and five in an NCAA tournament game, and you just get flabbergasted all over again.
7: Yeah, you know it's it's you know I spent a lot of time um you know after the game yesterday in the locker room talking to to most of her teammates you know and, and just trying to get a little a little insight you know from their perspective right you know when, when angels in the midst of of you know these these 20 and 20 games and and these these you know these performances that whether they haven't been done in program history before or they haven't been done in you know in 50 years or whatever the number uh, of years may be right um just these um Historic performances in a way, right? And and you know they no one is surprised in the locker room. Uh, even Kim Mulkey, I think her staff. Uh, you know when I have chances to talk with them, you know what Angel does really isn't surprising inside the locker room. Now, obviously for the rest of us, it, it's you know almost every time she steps on the floors, there's something that's eye popping that she pulls off. Um, you know I, I think to me the most surprising thing about Angel Reese and what she's been able to do uh, in just one year uh, at LSU has been not only her performances on the court, uh, but I have a column up on uh, our website, the theadvertiser.com, right now, uh, really sort of looking into just her impact on the entire university and, and how she's impacted Baton Rouge and the surrounding community. You talk about a player who's come in and galvanized a a fan base and has rejuvenated to a point to where the makeup of the crowd itself inside the Pete Maravich Assembly Center, it looks different now than what it looked five years ago. You know, you have, you have a younger crowd in the audience. You have, you have that older generation that's been following this program since, you know, Sue Gunter was, was stalking the sideline. And Simone Augustus was doing all the spectacular things that she did during her career there. You have, you have old, that older crowd that has been, Starving for something like this, and Angel has played a really the main uh, the main role in this revitalization of this LSU women's basketball program, and and just the value that she's brought, uh, the relevancy that she's brought back to this program, uh, it, it can't be understated, um, and uh, or it can't be overstated, excuse me. And so, yeah, she she puts up these gaudy numbers each time, man. But I think what she's doing or the program kind of in a more uh, orbital uh, sense, I think it's far more important um, than, than what she's doing on the court right now.
1: You know, talk, staying on that same topic, talking about things getting done off the court and, and the revitalization of LSU women's basketball, Are I, and I know that this is your, your first year covering LSU, but are you surprised with how quickly – it has happened under Kim Mulkey.
7: You know, maybe uh, I would say maybe a little surprise. Um, you know the the you know the installation of the transfer portal. You know, a few years ago, right? It, it's it's changed a lot of things. You know, within collegiate uh, athletics. You know, and and I think for uh, you know for obviously specifically looking at you know Kim and LSU women's basketball situation right now, obviously that's. You know that's kind of put the rebuild, uh, you know, kind of on the fast track. You know, as she's talked about before, Um, it's it's cut a lot of corners. um, You know, for some of these programs and some of these coaches taking over, you know, whatever respective sport it may be, right. Um, But at the same time, you know, you think about where LSU was just a couple of years ago, you know, and really a lot of the things around women's college basketball hasn't changed, right? Like, you know, South Carolina is as dominant as ever, right? Uh, you know, Gino and UConn are still, you know, they're still final four favorites year in and year out. Um, you know, Virginia tech is ascending in the sport right now. You know, Stanford, I know they lost the Ole Miss last night, which is probably one of the more shocking things we've seen uh, in quite some time in the NCAA tournament on the women's side. Um, but you know Tara and her and her group have been mainstays in the Final Four and in the national championship hunt year. and So you, you haven't really seen a a seismic shift at the top of this sport. Really, what you've seen is just Kim basically thrusting LSU back into this spotlight um, and. Obviously, she's done that with, with uh, you know, the addition of Angel, um, with the addition of Jasmine Carson, who had, who had some big minutes and made some big-time shots yesterday. Uh, Kateri Poole, who's an Ohio State transfer, who, who played and beat LSU in Kim's first year in Baton Rouge last year in the second round. Uh, you know, she played a major role. Uh, so you, they're able to cut a lot of corners um, you know, in these refills around uh, college sports right now with the, you know, with the installation of the transfer portal but it is a little surprising when you when you take into account that, um, you know, not much has changed at the top of the sport. It's just really Kim's said, okay, well, we're about to join the party and we're going to do it really quickly. Corey
1: Diaz of the Daily Advertiser joining us here on Crunch Time. Now this group will head to Greenville, South Carolina once again, where they will take on Utah later this week. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that matchup? What have you seen out of Utah? And uh, can LSU advance to the Elite Eight?
7: Yeah, uh, you know, to to answer your question, I, I do think there's a there's a good chance. Um I, I think it's a good matchup uh for Kim and and, and LSU. Um, you know, Alyssa Pilly is, is a is a tremendous uh basketball player. She's uh she's Utah's star forward. Uh she's just a sophomore like Angel. Um and you know, she's kind of a you know, a more physical uh physical body inside. She's gonna she's gonna bang uh, a lot on the inside. So the matchup between her and Angel is going to be uh, really fascinating. It's obviously going to be the key matchup in this game on Friday. Uh, we still don't have a tip time for the for the game yet, but uh, yeah, you know, Utah, you know, they they won the Pac-12 uh, regular season championship, uh, so they're obviously talented. Um, I just think there's more spots on the floor that LSU has the advantage. Uh, than, uh, than what Utah would be able to throw out there, I think LSU is a little more talented inside, obviously with Angel, but also the way ladesia has been playing the last couple of weeks has been a, a, a vital asset uh, to this team's uh, you know run to the Sweet 16 at this point and possibly to an Elite Eight uh, and maybe even beyond. You know, um, and so you you got you got a team that's uh, really hot, um, and, and I think Utah's kind of you know they didn't win the Pac 12 tournament. Uh, they lost in the second round to a Washington State team who was hot coming into the tournament, and they've already been eliminated. So, uh, I think LSU is just positioned a little better right now uh, than Utah is, and I would anticipate uh, you know LSU winning the Sweet 16 matchup on Friday and getting to Sunday, and where they would potentially match up with a really good Indiana team.
1: Now, at, at what point, Corey? Real quickly, as we as we wrap up what point does this season for for LSU i know it's not championship or bust but would you already say that no matter what happens this season was was a success
7: oh yeah i would say 100% uh, 100% this is this has been a uh, this has been a a big victory uh for kim um you know and again it kind of goes back before the season even started right i mean they LSU signed the uh, the number one overall recruiting class you know, for the class of 2023. I mean, so it already kind of got a jump start, right? And then, you know, Angel comes in and, and she, you know, as as I asked Kim last night about her, and she answered, you know, she's lived up to the hype, you know. Uh, Angel's lived up to the hype and has been, um, you know, a, a first-team All-American player, you know, for this team in one year. Um, and everything else has really clicked for the most part at the right time. Obviously, the game at South Carolina um, it was not quite, uh, what Kim had hoped it would be. Yeah, she didn't expect to win, but maybe be a little more competitive in that game. It got away from them a little bit. Obviously, the the, the SEC tournament semifinal loss to Tennessee was a disappointment. Um, they kind of felt like they were probably a better team, uh, just didn't make the make the plays down the stretch in that game. Um, but you've gotten to the Sweet 16 in only year two. Uh, now you're just kind of playing with house money, um, and now they can really sort of let their guard down, which I think actually makes LSU more dangerous right now is that they feel like they're playing with house money. Now they have nothing to lose, and they're in the Sweet 16. So there's no longer kind of that expectation. They can just play really freely. Um, And I think you'll see a a really energized team, you know, in Greenville on Friday against Utah. And uh, I anticipate, you know, a Utah team probably feeling like they're playing with a little more pressure. Um, and so I, I just think, Kim, man, I, I think where, where she's gotten the Tigers this year, man, it, it's 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 definitely a win. Um, and I think it's something that they'll be able to capitalize, you know, because obviously Angel's coming back. Um, and so you're really positioned this program to, to really uh, go on a tear here.
1: Corey Diaz of The Advertiser joining us here. Corey, appreciate you as always. Enjoy the week. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll be talking about a Final Four next week.
7: Sounds good, buddy. Hey, I'll be sure to, to avoid uh, the camera this weekend.
5: That's perfect. Love that.
1: <laughs> and there he goes, Corey Diaz. We'll wrap up today's show right after this.
0: This is Crunch Time on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: Welcome back to Crunch Time wrapping up today's show want to remind you to subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. Great content, video game recaps, great videos. Uh, we just posted a blind taste test. Miguez versus Mesh challenge coming very soon. Um, that did not go as well as I thought that it would. Because um, I, I consider myself to be a, a soda expert. And I just, maybe, maybe I just didn't have my A game the other day. But, you know, it, it, is, it is what it is. Uh, I don't stay down long. Just re- remember that, James Mesh. I do not stay down for very long. I want to thank our guest today, Jay Walker, joining us to talk Cajuns. Wilson Alexander talking LSU spring football. And Corey Diaz talking about Kim Mulkey and company. We'll come back tomorrow, same time, 4-6, to 6, same station right here on 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. To the moon, Tuesday returns. We're going to cry about Jose Altuve. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we're back tomorrow right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.